This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Let's go in! The Huddle. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Wyman going to join us a bit later. Bump and I with you right now. Let's recap this win over the Lions Seahawks. One and one to start the season. They badly needed this one. Bump 37-31. Only game of the week to go into overtime. And this one, maybe we should have known, was a shootout. Yeah, you know how this goes down. When the Seahawks and the Lions get together, great things happen. Gino goes for 328. You got Jared Goff goes for 323. Three touchdowns, one interception. Gino, two, and no interceptions. We saw Tyler Lockett remind us, well, we knew this already, but remind everybody else that uh, he is sneaky good. Don't sleep on him. Two touchdowns, one to win the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, when you look at this matchup, you, last year we looked at these teams as like kind of the same, right? You got a quarterback, an older quarterback that's trying to prove himself again, um, a rejuvenated organization, and uh, they didn't disappoint. It was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. They improved in several categories. I mean, it's pretty easy to improve from 12 total yards in the second half for the offense, but with third downs, they were like 2 of 9 the week before, 5 11 this week around. Uh, defensively, they did improve in limiting third downs for the opponent, but Lions still almost 50%. They were 6 of 11 there. Um, let's talk about the the defensive performance because this one was kind of a mixed bag, Wyman. There was good individual plays. They also allowed over 400 net yards. What did you make of the day? Well, uh, I think it's good news that the, the run game is <laughs> getting sewed up a little bit as far as defense goes. Yeah. They're 2.9 yards per, per carry, so one of the better teams in the NFL. And now they just got to figure out – it just seemed like they're completing lots of slants on our defense, uh, both the Rams and the Lions, and lots of, you know, yardage and things like that. But like you said, you know, you, uh, you take the ball away three times. I mean, one wasn't super significant. It was at the end of the half. Trey Brown put himself in kind of a bad position – got up and kind of pressed a little bit but he ends up forcing that fumble he ends up getting the pick six and then the Ochenna uh, fumble that he caused that Jaron Reed picked up so when you go three and oh you know mm-hmm. as far as takeaways plus three you know they they have yet to turn the ball over so that that's good news but yeah the defense I thought just looked uh, a, a little bit better um, we talked to Draymond Jones this week and he said it's just night and day playing on the road defensively because when you're at home, it's tough to hear. And he said, you know, he really praised the, the communication. Um, I think, too, when we're looking at this game, guys, and I am going to get back to some of these stats, but there's something to be said for this team's ability to turn things around when they most needed it. Because I cannot stress enough, and we talked about it plenty the week prior, how bad everyone felt after week one. The expectations were so high for this team. The game was so ugly. I mean, the vibes were not good. <laughs> they were just bad all around. Yeah. And then they managed to turn things around. I mean, Bump, does it say anything about the culture here, about Pete, about the players? I mean, there's also this added layer of uh, kind of having a resurgence and being able to do that in one week. Yeah, the assumption would be these guys are good at turning things around, and I think that's okay to assume. Um, but we also heard Pete Carroll talk and talk about his role in their fall week one and how he might have amped up the situation a bit too much. 
and four head coach should come out and kind of say that, um, let you know about the culture. It's a resilient culture. If your head coach is willing to come out to the public and say, listen, you know, I'm going to take a lot of responsibility on that. That was on me. And then for the turnaround, point to Bobby Wagner and say, we really needed that from Bobby Wagner. He got the guys going in a way that I couldn't do it. Uh, let you know that it's uh, it's selfless over here. And uh, Pete Carroll understands how to uh, manipulate things to for his team's benefit. I don't know um, that we're going to see Jamal Adams this week. Maybe we see him next week. But we did see the debut of another defensive back this year, that being rookie Devin Witherspoon. Dave, what did you make of his day? Yeah, it, you could see flashes of brilliance. I mean, the the tackle that he made, the breakups on on fourth down, and just – but there's also some – some other things, rookie right? mistakes. Yeah, some rookie mistakes, exactly. And it was funny to me that Pete said that the pass interference play was actually a good play. That's not very often that you commit a penalty and you have your coach right. say, yeah, it was actually a good play. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it had to do something with just kind of – I feel like Pete would tell him, keep doing that. But, yeah, he just all of a sudden – here's what I would say. What really stands out to me is he looks – it's very familiar to him. Like the speed of the game did not mm-hmm. get in his way. And then he plays really fast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for rookies, you always tell them, and it's easier said than done. If you're going to make a mistake, make it, you know, going 100 miles an hour. And that's kind of what he did. So he looks very promising. And for a guy that, you know, had a couple of uh, mistakes, it, it sure looks like he's going to be a playmaker. I know I'm bouncing back and forth between offense and defense. I can't help it. It's just I've got so many things here to cover, you guys. But this might have been Bump Gino's best game in in a while. And that's not to slight his end of the season, though he knows that he has to improve from that and it wasn't his best play. Take out that, you know, sack that he took for a loss of 17, which he tried to explain away and, and, you know, kind of used his own rationale for that and said, here's what was happening. Um, This was, if you take that out, a phenomenal flawless performance i mean you're not talking about coming out you know putting up uh you know 460 whatever yards that tua did in week one Mm -hmm. but he was also the third most prolific passer of week two what did he complete 70 78 percent 78 percent of his passes last year he finished what 69.8 or something Mm -hmm. like that there weren't any situations where i'm thinking all right what are you doing minus that last sack you get his explanation you look at the all 22 you kind of see where he's going with that the worst thing is when i watch games with random people or i'm in a a bar or a restaurant and people are yelling throw the ball <laughs> i go you don't know what he's looking at on the back end of that all you see is the pocket and, and right the Gino. camera's following the quarterback you exactly. have no idea what the dbs and are it doing. takes everything in me not to comment to somebody we go you know what <laughs> i think you should the fact that he's making that comment means he's not going to receive anything i'm going to give him so i'm just going to yeah. let him live right so i always reserve the harsh judgment until i see the all 22 so i can see exactly what he's looking at and how the blitz that they blitz from depth and all this other stuff and after watching it i go gino had a gino type of game this is a gino type of game right really a gino type of game is maybe like 280 yards two touchdowns and you complete 20 something of 30 something they pushed him a bit more this game because they needed to um because the run wasn't getting going and then when you get behind you kind of got to throw the ball down the field um so no i was i was impressed with gino's performance he was under control um even when he made the one mistake his reasoning made complete sense, even though I didn't like the play. Yeah. It wasn't like a, oh, I didn't see defenders. It was, I'm trying to buy time. I don't want to give them, you know, the extra timeout that comes by virtue of, you know, having the two minutes. Like, he was trying to work through it. 
Yeah. And just ended up going mm-hmm. further back in the backfield than he probably intended to. What did you make of his day, yep. Dave? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And I think somebody called that that scramble mindless. And I'm like, no, I think it was mindful. It was like too right. mindful. It was too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he he was just incredibly accurate. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I keep going back to this. But remember last year going into the Kansas City game, how Patrick Mahomes was talking about Geno, kind of raving about him, mm-hmm. like his accuracy and the tight spiral that he throws and – He's legit, man. I mean, look, I know it's early, but, you know, there was the fair question going into this season was, you know, the first part of his career mm-hmm. told one story. Is this the guy he is? I'm convinced. I'm convinced that he is. He, You know, it's funny, to your point, uh, Bump, for being down on the field, like we go down on the field, Rabel and I, uh, before the game when they're warming up and stuff, and one of the things, I was standing by Larry Izzo, the special teams coach, and I'm watching these punts go up and up into that roof, and their roof there is kind of brown colored, mm-hmm. and I'm like trying trying to locate that thing. I mean, that it's ridiculous when you get down on the field and you realize, like for Gino, there's lots of pass routes that he just doesn't see, right? Because yeah. you got these six-foot, eight, you know, tackle Stone Forsyth. He's blocking some guy, you know, and, and if that's in his vision, then how in the world do you ever, you know, see anybody? I think playing quarterback, probably probably harder than hitting a baseball in Major League Baseball, uh, maybe, but I, I just think it's one of the most. I think so. How many elite quarterbacks do you have every year? Good three point. or four? How many elite hitters? You got, yeah. I mean, the Dodgers alone three got three guys, guys hitting over 300 and, and 30 bombs. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Well, and, and really, I think, you know, you, you mentioned the quarterbacks. Like, there's like 10 or 12 teams that are like, this is our guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, everybody else is trying to figure it out. So, yeah, it's just uh, what he is doing right now. And he's just so mature. His leadership, everything is just, I feel like, um, yeah, he's, he's just doing a great job. I think that's going to be the quarterback we're going to see all year. We're going to spend a lot more time later on in the show talking about the Panthers, but just in the final minute here, he has a chance to continue this against a Panthers team that started the season 0-2. Now, their defense is actually the strength of their team. They're 0-2 because the offense really hasn't gotten going uh, much yet and faced a tough New Orleans defense last week. But there is an opportunity here for Seattle to really catch fire before they head into the bye. Yeah, there is. And you're playing against a team that on paper should give you some trouble in some areas. Running the football, these guys are good, ninth in the league so far. And then you look at their pass defense, they're number four. Total defense, they're number eight. So I'm assuming just like any other game with this team at this point, the offense is going to have to kind of set the tone and, and allow the defense to kind of figure things out as they go. Now, it'd be nice for the defense to come out and be good against the pass. Mm-hmm. They've been great against the run and just shut a team down that's dealing with their backup quarterback. Dave, I don't know about you, but a backup quarterback scares me when the Hawks play them just because they, they, for some reason they play well. Uh, I w- would much more prefer to play Bryce Young, but we're going to see Andy Dalton. So uh, on paper, it, it should be a good one, man. Each team has strengths and weaknesses, but I think the Hawks should be favored. All right, stick around. Coming up in an hour and a half, we're going to be jumping over enemy lines for an opponent preview. You guys are going to learn everything you need to know about the Panthers. And then Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle is going to join us as we kind of look ahead, make some predictions, and look more specifically at week three. First, though, we're going to talk to a couple Seahawks players. Jordan Brooks joins us next. This is the Huddle. This is the Huddle. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. 
You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Carolina Panthers tweeting four minutes ago, Bryce Young did not practice and is not expected to play Sunday. Bump, you think Andy Dalton could pack an even scarier punch mm-hmm. here. Why? I know he will. I know it. That's what it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. That's going to be. <laughs> you guys are getting way too into your predictions and your hype train here. <laughs> Tell me why. and Because then, and then we'll... he's a vet. He's been there before. You look at Bryce Young, he's still figuring it out. You know, I'm on watch film on this dude, and granted his receivers aren't helping him out because they're not creating a lot of separation. Uh, but there are things that Andy Dalton knows that Bryce Young just doesn't know. He's mm-hmm. had thousands of snaps in the NFL to uh, Bryce Young's maybe, what, 100 at this point. So it's just experience. That doesn't mean that Andy Dalton at this point of his career is going to be better than Bryce Young when he gets to that point. It just means right now he's got a head start. He has seen many defenses. He's seen the 3-4. He's seen the 4, the 4-3. Four, he's seen nickel. He's seen dime. Yeah. It's just experience. So he's just a lot more comfortable under center in the NFL. But eventually, I, I think Bryce Young is going to be just fine. We are going to be – got to agree with you on oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, my dad always says there's no substitute for good tools and experience. And experience is, is huge. So, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, working around the house and stuff like that. That's my – But it could there. also apply to a better quarterback. <laughs> no, I'm with Bob. I remember Colt McCoy came in here. Right. And with, was he with the Cardinals then? Yeah. Maybe Or the Giants. Giants. Yeah, Both it doesn't matter. Yeah. Really, either version of Colt McCoy. Yeah. The only thing is the Seahawks record against backup quarterbacks, whether it's – we talked about Nick Foles with Chicago, uh, Mullins with the 49ers. I don't think he won that game, but threw for over 400 yards. Um Obviously, we've seen Colt McCoy beat these teams. It's just something weird and kind of a bad luck, even with the best versions of the Seahawks. Now, that does not mean, obviously, that uh, that Sunday is just going to be Andy Dalton's coming out game. This team has more problems than than just Young. In fact, you just heard Bump say, I don't even think Bryce Young is their biggest issue. I think they've got some other stuff going on offensively. I'm going to ask Jordan Brooks this question. He may very well interrupt you, Dave, because he's walking over from practice here in a bit. How does your week prep change when you aren't sure who's going to start and then when you're facing a quarterback who may not have played this year? Like, uh, how I, do you think this team is preparing for Andy Dalton? Well, I just think you just prepare for their offense, and right. you don't really care about what who's back there. I, I feel like that that is. I just remember that being a very small part hmm. of. It wasn't like I would be like, and I know it was like this when I played. Like, oh, okay, we don't have to face their starter. We're gonna have to face the backup. You just assume it's more everybody. Like a listener thing. Everybody in the NFL, yeah, everybody yeah. in the NFL can play. And remember, Nick Saban said that when he was coach of the. Dolphins. He said every player in in the NFL has the capability of making plays, and anybody that doesn't understand that is foolish. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's 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 very little goes into it, but you know there are certain things. I mean, if it's a running quarterback, you know, like Kyler Murray, that's a different type of preparation. And if you have a guy that's going to sit in the pocket, it'll be totally different. Bump, um, Dave mentioned, you know, really, ultimately, you prepare for the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. listeners or fantasy football players might say, like, oh, God, this is totally different. But for players, it doesn't change. So right. tell us what we need to know about the Panthers' offense. What is their offense? Uh, their offense, they like to spread them out. You're going to see a lot of three-by-one. Uh, you will see 11 personnel as well. Not... Not the creativity with the tight ends that we see with the Seahawks, right? You're not going to see too many uh, two tight end sets back there. You're not going to see the tight ends in the backfield. Mm. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It looks like an offense that's tailored to a young man who's trying to figure it out. And their personnel as well. They don't have three tight ends that they can count on. They have uh, some veteran receivers out there as well. But uh, it's uh, most offenses in the NFL minus 
like uh, Baltimore, the Giants, uh, the 49ers, the Eagles, are more of a, okay, we're going to take whatever the defense is giving us type of offense, right? If we can spread it out this way, we're going to spread it out. There are some teams that are just stubborn in what they do and, and what their coordinators like, and, uh, and that's fine. But I look at the Panthers, and uh, they're going to try to spread it out and spread you out to spread the defense out and try to hand the ball to Miles Sanders um, up the gut and let him be creative. Dave, I know that you've been uh, prepping for this team, obviously, on the call with Rabel. What do you see from Carolina? Well, I, I, you know, they got, like you said, you got a couple of injuries there. They lost Shaq Thompson. Uh, I saw that they uh, signed Deion Jones, hmm. and a guy that played for Atlanta for mm-hmm. a while. That guy's a playmaker. I mean, if you look at some of the some of the stats that he has, I mean, I, I feel like he's going to fit right in. Frankie Louvu is, uh, I think that's how you say it. Yep. Yeah, he he's Go a Cougs. smoke bringer. Go Cougs. Absolute smoke bringer. Yeah, I mean he's he's got a couple two and a half sacks, um, you know, tackles for loss. I mean he's he's a good player. So yeah, I mean I, I think what DK had a comment about how they play like an umbrella coverage where they're just gonna line up and kind of keep everything in front of mm-hmm. them and how it kind of tires you out a little bit, but you just have to execute. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to tell with teams, you know, in week two, but I think their defense is decent. All right, we are going to uh, see if we can grab Jordan from practice coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This, this is the huddle. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joining us right now, Artie Burns. Artie, how's it going? It's going good. How you guys doing? Uh, we're well. Obviously, you know, we're exciting with you guys coming off a win, but you guys must feel even more excited. What's the energy in the building like compared to week one? Uh, you know, it's good to get the uh, first the first win of the season, you know, but uh, we know we got another challenge this week with uh, Carolina coming in town, so getting back to work. What was it like in Detroit? Was it as wild as they made it out like it was going to be, or were you underwhelmed? I mean, Detroit fans came out. They they, they showed support for their team. Um, they definitely got the, the they got real loud in that at one point, man. I mean, they did their thing out there. The Detroit fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough place to play, man. That was really a good win for you guys, getting yeah. the takeaways and things like that. But uh, how that was, you know, if you look around the NFL, that was one of the better wins. Going there, and I know, you know, from your standpoint, it's like we're gonna go in. You know, we expect to win every game, obviously. Yeah. But that one was. Pretty unlikely, man. Uh, that must have given you guys a, a big boost. Yeah, you know, Detroit, they always play hard. They're a real gritty team. That what they, they like to, uh, you know, uh, call themselves a, a, one of the most gritty team in the league. And um, they play they play all four quarters, so you got you got to kind of play for the whole game uh, with less mistakes, you know, and, it, and just be ready to finish. It's more fun winning on the road than at home, I Oh, feel yeah, like. most definitely. You see all the fans, disappointment faces and stuff like that. So. <laughs> you guys are so mean. Did you wave? Did you do, like, a oh, wave? Yeah, you know, they, be, they yell at us the whole game, so, you know, you get a chance to of finally course. be like, wave yeah, we got, the, we got the upper yeah. hand. I saw Tyler doing that when he walked off. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye, and you know yeah, when Tyler's doing it, it's like, man, you guys really got burned here. That's yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. Um, we've heard a couple guys on the defense talk about how in addition to having so many new faces, communication is something you guys are still working through. Um, have you felt that that's kind of developing over time? Because you guys said, look, communication issues were at part week one. We know that we're good. We're just learning each other. Is that kind of what it felt like? Yeah, you know, it's a, a bunch of different uh, people being moved around in different places. And um, 
a mixture of young and old, you know, and just getting the right, um, you know, terminology across to everybody. You know, it's definitely something you got to work on, you know. And like you said, throughout the season, it's definitely going to get better, yeah. you know, uh, week to week and stuff like that. I don't know how much you can tell us, but uh, when I got saw all the names in the secondary, I started in my head. I got into a coach. I'm like, I'll put him there and there in this situation. <laughs> um, does it feel like – everyone understands exactly where they fit now or is it still are, are pizza still being moved around to kind of solidify everyone's role i mean the, the good thing about our defensive back room that everybody pretty much play each position on the field at some time in their career so um it, it's fun that it's like when, when one person go down or you know uh we want to play a certain way against a team that we'll be able to move people around you know and um i think it's just that Everybody being real uh, detailed on their job whenever they do get in that situation, if they get moved around or whatever. And um, like you said, like we, we can move people around and stuff like that and be able to play. Artie, we were talking earlier about, you know, backup quarterbacks and just how you view that. And I feel like it's it's more like the fans are like, oh, you know, he's a different kind of guy. But you, you kind of feel like I feel like in practice it's like, OK, it's the next guy. This guy can he can play. You don't treat him. In, in any different other than you know he's not going to be as mobile right i mean that's a different kind of game plan but other than that it's not like like you're licking your chops going oh man we've got a backup quarterback in there we're going to feast on these guys i mean it's everybody can play right yeah i mean and he don't you know he's a he's a veteran guy you know he's a he made high caliber plays um for, for different teams I actually was with him in chicago you know um so, you know, I respect this game, you know, so we just got to come out there and be ready to play. He a veteran, so, you know, he's seen multiple, multiple things, multiple coverages that have been played already. So, you know, he, he'll be prepared if you do show up. Are you leaning on that experience a bit, knowing him from your days in Chicago? It don't matter whoever it is. I was yeah. just saying that, the, <laughs> yeah. the history, but, yeah. I mean, I respect this game. You know? Yeah. When you look at a, a guy like JSN, you know, you get to see him at practice. Um Lots of expectation going in for him, but with talent around, me personally, I go, all right, he's going to fit in and catch maybe 30, 40 balls throughout the year and see what happens. What do you see out of him that makes you think he's going to be okay as the season goes along? Man, one thing I can't say about him, like, when you watch him run, it's like he's not even running. Like, he's, he's so slippery and he get in and out of break so so smoothly. You know, um, like, his career, I mean, is he if he keeps stacking up and stacking up uh, days and, and games and weeks and stuff like that, you know, I think he should be uh, definitely a, a high-target receiver in the NFL, like, definitely. So. How about the other first-round draft choice, Devin? What are you seeing oh, out of him? <laughs> oh, Spoon, man, he, he's he very twitchy. You know, um, one, one of the most twitchiest corners I've seen in a while. And because he got that, you know, he's not – he's tall, but he's not short. Like, you know what I'm saying? He like – He's a good. He's a very good height for a DB to be able to get in and out of transitions and stuff like that. You know, so I expect him to have a great career too. Also, you know, he's real gritty. He's physical. You know, he showed those things in games. You know, and in practice also. So he doesn't play like a rookie. I mean, he seems like he's he plays fast. Is that the hardest thing for when you were coming up as a rook? You know, was that the hardest thing is to to just play fast and kind of turn your brain off a little bit and just react? Yeah, I mean, he just came in comfortable. You know. Um, as a DB, you want to be comfortable and confident. You know, he came in that way, and um, it just helped him transition fast, uh, faster from college to the NFL, you know, and so he just put on his debut out there. Uh, the DB room, I would imagine, we were joking with um, Phil Haynes a while ago. We were like, who's the loudest person on this team? Like, what's the loudest group on this team? And I, I can't remember if he said DBs or defensive line, but he was like, it's definitely, like, offensive line quiet, 
defense is going to be louder. Uh, like that's DBs just how it talk is. The most. I'm, I'm just so. So my question: <laughs> Who is the loudest among the DBs? Because I my gut tells me Quandre, but maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating. Uh, you know, everybody takes shots at us. You know, that's crazy. Like, we, we do. <laughs> is it crazy, Artie? We get we get loud in in defense. You know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my boy Molly G. You know, uh, he got a he got a great character. You know, so we, whenever he come around, you gonna definitely hear his voice. You know, he a good guy to have around. So. I definitely say Maul, you know, just because his his character. Yeah, and how you, yeah. You know. Man, so you're from Florida, and then you made your way out west. So you go to Pittsburgh, and then you go to Chicago, and now you're out here. I would ask you how you gonna do with the cold, but you didn't play in Pittsburgh, Chicago, so cold ain't, ain't nothing for you. How, how's the? You ready for this rain though? Have you heard stories about what, go, what goes down up here? Man, yeah, yeah. I mean, we came for Chicago one time to play Seattle. It was raining, then the next it started snowing because I guess the temperature dropped. Yeah, and I'm like. Where did this come from? It came out of nowhere, you know. But uh, I mean, like I said, it is what it's got to get prepared for. You know, rainy days, we'll just get keep on working. It don't even matter. Right. Yeah, last year I was at, when we went to Kansas City, um, I, I was with one of the, the guys here that work in the building, and he's from Hawaii. And he said, this is the coldest I've ever been. Like, you just – I remember when Marshawn came here, he was like, yeah, they got this stuff called slush? I've yeah. never seen that before. <laughs> Black I mean, ice. Yeah, yeah. I mean – I guess you got used to it, though, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, in Chicago, definitely. You know, that's the windy city, so you better cover your ears up and your face or you're going to be out there freezing. <laughs> he is cornerback Artie Burns. Uh, Artie, have fun this Sunday. We've enjoyed your time with us. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, we are going to be joined in about 30 seconds by Jordan Brooks, you guys. Uh, don't go anywhere. Um, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and quickly transition here. But uh, thank you again to Artie for joining us. Uh, we're going to be joined by Jordan Brooks. Very defensive-heavy day today, which yeah. I'm very grateful for considering the news that we got out of Carolina today. Dave, I know that you asked already this question. I'm going to relay the same question to Jordan. Um, we obviously learned just a bit earlier this afternoon that Bryce Young is not expected to play in week three. Have you guys been kind of prepping for both guys knowing Bryce was hurt? Uh, I think we just found out this morning. Yeah. And so, I mean, we think the game plan will be the same uh, as far as what they want to do. But obviously knowing like Andy Dalton is a little bit more experienced. So, um, I don't think there'll be much difference of as far as what we think they'll do. So, but we'll still prepare for both quarterbacks. Jordan, man, I know you've been getting praised for just how fast your recovery was. And I was looking, I'm like, I'm trying to relate it. And I go, I bet he looked at it as like when I'm driving to a destination and said, Yo, you'll get there in 30 minutes. I go, no, nah, I'm going to get there in 25 minutes because I'm, I'm going to make sure I hit all the right corners and all that stuff. Did you see that date as a challenge? They give you a date and you said, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to be ready before that. Or did it just kind of happen naturally? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of both, man. You know, anybody knows me, they know that I pray. And so the first thing I did was pray. And I feel like I got confirmation spiritually, like, this won't be long. And I started getting confidence. I swear to God, like, maybe the first week out of surgery, uh, I was supposed to be in a brace for like a month or whatever, but I, I took the brace off and I'm just walking around normal. Mm -hmm. And week by week, I'm just like, hey, this is not as bad as they was making it seem. <laughs> and I got up here for OTAs and I'm seeing everybody practice and it was, it was, it was making me burn inside. Like, dang, I don't like sitting on the sideline. Right. Like, so I felt like that kind of catapulted me, like as far as just recovery. And it's all mindset too. Like, a lot of guys struggle from thinking that. I'm not sure if I'm healed or they go through that battle. And I just thank God it didn't happen for me that way. And so I'm just happy to be back. Yeah, we're happy to have you, man. I'll tell you what, I feel like you're one of those players that always does right. 
Like I, last year, it was a struggle against the the run a bit, but I didn't see that anything out of you. And uh, this year, same thing, man. You're just the most solid. Seems like you're always in the right spot. <clears throat> but just in general, tell us about what's different this year against the run than than last year. Uh, I think the mindset is the biggest thing. Um, for whatever reason, we just were not on the same page as a unit last year as far as stopping the run. I think we had the guys, but mentally everybody just wasn't bought in, and it's hard to be great when everybody's not bought in. And I think Bobby, for one, has probably been the biggest piece is just kind of having that veteran leadership and having somebody in the locker room that guys can respect and and um and listen to you know and so him coming back you know this was this was the the main theme of the off season we got to stop the run we got to stop the run and uh i think guys are buying into it uh we as the weeks progress i think we're getting more confident and uh we expect to be more dominant it sounds like bobby spoke with you guys uh coming into week two what was the messaging that he had uh to pretty much stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, we let one go the first game that we shouldn't have, and um, it kind of shocked us, like, as a unit, like, dang, we just lost that game. And, you know, you can kind of feel the vibe early in the week, like everybody's just uh, scratching their head, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, me and Bobby was kind of talking about it, and he was like, look, we got to seize the moment right now to where it's still early enough in the week to – get this thing turned around the energy so he stopped us before practice um talked to everybody about what we need to do had a great practice the, the, for the rest of the week and went out there and won a big time football game man all week i've been defending dt i said look if jerry golf gonna act like he has the football all right he needs to be hit as if he has the football so that's me on the outside looking in kind of defending i know you guys had to give him a little bit of grief in the locker room though about the whole situation i mean dt hadn't got a day off <laughs> did you guys play the highlight because he, he has a celly yeah so like on that play q Diggs had a good hit on that play yeah lit him up and so we always praise big hits. So <laughs> every day we're going to show that play. And if you watch that play, then DT's on the same play. So he's, he probably won't get a break from it for a while now. But, it, I mean, at the time it wasn't funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah. looking back at it, it was, you could see how he thought maybe the quarterback had the ball. And so it's all it's all fun and games yeah. now. That's always fun when you have somebody to make fun of, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> as long as it's not you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, I just I remember we used to play back any time, like, a, a coach got ran over on the sidelines, things <laughs> like that. You see stuff like that that's, uh, that brings a little levity, but like you said, the W makes it a little more fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can laugh about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that the highlight would be quite as great <laughs> no. were it a loss that, like, cost the game. Oh, he, he Daryl feeling up horrible. And down that he made that sack. Yeah. Boy, it was so great. The, the flag being thrown in the background while he's like, yes! <laughs> it's amazing. I would also want to watch that clip all the time. That's funny. Uh, again, you guys heading uh, back home for week three, going to be taking on uh, Carolina. I'm sure that there's more that you're going to be studying about this team, right? You've just kind of started turning the page starting yesterday on Wednesday. But anything early you can tell us about the Panthers? Yeah, um, I think their offensive line is, is solid. Uh and they got some good blocking tight ends that, um, you know, they have a good running game. Uh, and we know that's what they're definitely going to try to do, um, mm -hmm. considering that the quarterback, qu quarterback might not be playing. And, uh, and they have a great defense. And so, 
you know, the game plan might be try to come and run the ball, keep the keep it close, play great defense on their end. And so we know, like I said earlier, number one thing is always stopping the run. And so that's going to be our goal, kill the run to where, you know, we got to force them in pass situations and then be sticky in coverage and, and get off the field on third down. But uh, that, that's pretty much what we expect mm-hmm. at this point. Man, you've been been around the block a couple times, you know, veteran in this league. How how uh, fun is it to see a rookie hit the field and just be excited and making plays the same way that, uh, that Devin Witherspoon was last weekend? It's it's, it's awesome, man. Um, you know, his first game was a little different than mine because I I played with no nobody in the stands during the COVID year. Right. But um, just seeing him because he was out for a while um, with a hamstring or whatever. But uh, just seeing him go out there and make plays and, and just having fun with it, and that's his personality if anybody knows him. He's always up and down, yelling and jumping and stuff. And so, But it was just great to see him get out there, make plays, and um, hopefully build his confidence going in because we definitely need him. Hey, um, I've always said this about you. I mean, you didn't, you didn't really play a lot of zone, it seemed like, in college. But if I close my eyes, I can see you picking up a deep crosser. You always, you know, do that and you know that's it's something that gets done every time is that kind of what it seemed like they're completing passes across the middle when you're playing zone defense what are what are kind of your reads there and what are some of the things you guys uh, are working on to to shore that up a little bit yeah um depending on which zone defense we in so you know everybody knows we play a lot of cover three and so as, as far as me um I've usually got weak hook issues, which is why you see me picking up the deep crosses Mm -hmm. because they want to hit that little void in the field to where the corner's gone and post safety is gone and try to hit that void. And that's where I got to be there to fill that void. And so that's why you see me with a lot of the deep crosses. And then a lot of the times they they might run a deep cross and they run a, a dig with it. And so that's where whoever the other hooker is, He's got to be there for the dig where they want to throw it in between the hashes, and so a lot of a lot of teams attack the same way, yeah. uh, at least versus us. And so those are, that's just an example of just pretty much what my responsibility would be. He is Seahawks <clears throat> linebacker Jordan Brooks. A big Brooks, a big week three for these guys. Panthers coming to town. No Bryce Young, going to be Andy Dalton. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys All for right. having me. All right, we are going to hear the latest from Geno Smith coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to 2. On Seattle Sports. Gino from the shotgun with Walker beside him. Three wide receivers in the game. Gino is looking, looking. Now he throws far side. It's locking. Does he reach the ball across? He does. It's over, baby. Touchdown, Seahawks. Tyler Lockett on a little pass out into the right side flat. Reaches the ball across the pylon. He scores. Geno Smith speaking with reporters now. Let's take a listen. Yeah, um, really, really happy with the guys, the way those guys performed. I thought, um, you know, they, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, looking back at the tape, I feel like uh, when, you, when you watch the film, you see all 11 guys, you know, playing connected, really just executing the game plan. And, uh, you know, I think... When you have uh, as much depth as we have and you got a bunch of guys who are capable, you see guys stepping up and making plays. And so I was really happy for those guys. Um, you know, I, I, I had a great feeling about it, and it was just good to see it happen on Sunday. How are the Panthers creating so much with their, their pass rush and, and just their, their front seven and front four? Yeah, I think their their defense is really, um, you know, led by that front, front seven. And uh, when you talk about their guys, a bunch of really talented first-rounders, 
you talk about Brian Burns on the edge, who, uh, you know, a phenomenal pass rusher. Uh, you got Derek Brown, you know, real stout guy in the middle. Um, you know, he plugs up all the holes in there and he makes it tough in the run game and the passing game. Um, and then a guy who, you know, is really showing up and has shown up uh, the past two years is Frankie Louvu. Um, he's, he's made a ton of plays, a uh, ton of plays. Um, you know, they move him around. Uh, he does a bunch of different things uh, for their defense. And so you see an aggressive bunch, uh, a bunch of guys who play, play together. They play inspired. And uh, as always, man, it's going to be another tough battle for us, uh, as we expect every single week. And those guys do a great job. So we look forward to, you know, another opportunity to, to prove ourselves. Yesterday was talking about just the coverage that they have forces you to throw some of those underneath routes more than maybe other teams. What's the challenge in taking what they give you? Uh, that's always, I wouldn't say it's a challenge. Uh, that's, that's what we have to do as an offense. Uh, I think for the majority of the time, you know, the last two years, we've been seeing nothing but two hot shells. And we can expect that with the talent we have at wide receiver and uh, the type of tight ends that we have in the, in the uh, you know, passing game. And so that's something that, you know, we're, we're expecting. Uh, obviously, they can call any call they want. They can, you know, make any adjustment they want. We just got to be ready for it. And so whatever they have for us, we got to go out there and, and uh, you know, make the proper adjustments if, if need be. But, you know, it comes down to execution. And so uh, we got to, you know, see what they're doing and, and make the right, uh, right calls. And then, you know, obviously go out there and execute the game plan. You did that in Detroit, taking what they gave you early in the game. How do you think that kick-started the whole offensive score and that first drive and, and doing that? Yeah, uh, that's always our game plan. Uh, I'm never going to try and force the ball. Uh, just always trying to make the right read and go to the right guy with the ball. And, um, you know, for the most part, uh, that, that works out for us. And so I've got to always be on top of that and make sure, you know, the ball's spreading around based on what the coverage gives us. And, um, you know, at any given play, it could be any guy. And that's the, that's the great part about our offense is that we got so many talented guys who can make plays. Uh, it really doesn't matter who it is. Um, the key is for, for everyone to play connected and do the right things, and everything else should work itself out. The, the team celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl team. I, you came in the league that year. I know you didn't play the Seahawks, but just from afar, what was kind of the perception? What do you remember about that team coming up? Yeah, uh, I was actually in New York well, when, when they went and won the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I remember, you know, just watching that team and uh, just the type of passion they play with. Uh, that game was a tremendous game. I mean, they really, you know, took it to the Broncos who had a really good offense and uh, you can see like you know coming into the game they might have been kind of thought of as the underdog so maybe they had that chip on their shoulder but you know when you watch them play man they were just physical they were fast everything that you know Coach Carroll talks about and uh, you know that's that was a great team and uh, it's, it's fun to have a lot of those guys who still come back uh, and still you know lend their expertise to the young guys uh, but it's great to have those guys being honored this weekend you know they're a great bunch and uh, they, they mean a lot to the city and, and to this team. How important was that first drive last week? I mean, just taking the opening kickoff and going down, just kind of giving, I guess, the way the previous week had gone and kind of the atmosphere that there was there. Uh, it's always important. You know, we want to score every time we get the ball. And uh, we're not thinking about the previous week when we go out there and play. We're thinking about doing our jobs and executing and, you know, just making the play one play at a time. So it's always important to go out there and, and, and start early, right? You want to give your, your team a lead. Uh, you want to give your, your defense some tough, something to be excited about and, and your fans. And so uh, that's our goal, you know, to start fast every time. Um, anytime we get the ball, we want to score. We want to we want to try and you know do the best that we can no matter what the situation is to score points and so uh, that that's always going to be our our kind of motto you know we just want to score points as, as as much as we can and hopefully as fast as we can. Gino, how would you assess your run game? You're averaging like eighty three point six yards a game, and that's numbers. But how would you assess it just in terms of it progressing and trying to get to where you you all feel needs to go? 
Yeah, uh, I think our run game is, um, you know, it, it is what it's been. I think it's only two games, and it's hard to make an assessment on that based on two games. But we know we want to run the fo football here. Uh, we want to be physical up front, and uh, we got the guys to do it. And so we just got to keep plugging at it. Uh, you know, Shane's going to keep calling those runs, and uh, we're going to keep giving it to our talented backs, and our line's going to continue to, you know, press forward. And so um, whatever the numbers are, you know, it, it is what it is after two games, but I believe that those will obviously improve as the, as the season goes along. And, um, you know, those are things that we got to continue to work on in practice. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the key to our offense. It's the key to our team. Um, you know, it's a big part of who we are. And so we just got to keep plugging at it and, you know, knowing those things will work out. The three tight ends combined for, I think, like 130 yards or something. When you've got that 12 or 13 personnel and they can, you know, block, run routes, do different things, just how valuable is that to your offense, what they can do? Yeah, it's uh, it's super valuable um, having three tight ends and really four tight ends with with Mabry who can really step in there and um, they're an, a, an extension of everything we want to do on offense as far as running the ball, play action, and then the passing game. And when you can mix personnel, uh, it just keeps the defense off balance. You know, you can see a bunch of things on tape where their guys were kind of indecisive about what to do, run or pass. You know, they got run fits and then they got you know obviously you know coverages and and, and pass. And so uh, as much as we can get guys, you know thinking about what to do and we can mix the personnel, uh, it's going to help our offense. But um, to have those guys out there, to have them as a big part of our passing game, uh, it's going to be vital for us in every single game. I got, got to ask, you've never seen The Wire? No, I've never seen it. Oh, man. No one's ever, like, recommended, like, yo, you got to watch this? No, I, I grew up in The Wire, so I didn't have to watch it. I just went outside. Okay. And, uh, anything else? Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> The Seahawks made things work despite losing both starting tackles. So how'd they do it? And can they do it again? Let's ask a former offensive lineman. We're going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Let's go in! The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Ray, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? We're well. Uh, I'm mostly, I mean, I'm excited to talk to you about a win in week two. Excited to talk to you about what could happen in week three. But my biggest question for you is actually about the offensive line. The Hawks were without Charles Cross, without Abe Lucas. How did they make this work? Because I was so nervous, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little bit nervous too, but I, I think they had a really good game plan, uh, either tipping with the, with the running backs in the passing game or using the tight ends to help out. And so, and then Jake Kern and uh, Big Stone just put in a really good effort as well. So I was I was really impressed with how they played. I think it was uh, I don't think any the offensive line in general gave up one one quarterback hit. I think and the one sack came on Geno's kind of weird scramble thingamajigga that he was trying to do. So <laughs> I was really excited. <laughs> I was really excited about how the offensive line played. Uh, I think it shows a lot of investment that the that the Seahawks have put into the offensive line too. And you know in the past years that hasn't been the case, but uh, they've found some really quality players and they've been coached up really well yeah big ray i'm um i was i wouldn't say pleasantly surprised but um i was proud of the effort that the o-line put when it came to uh protecting gino now now how do we get the run game going is it as simple as rbs hitting the hole the way they're supposed to is it is it the, is it the lineman is it the the timing of the calls what are you seeing now, what I saw, Mike, is like we're not doing as good a job getting to the second-level defenders. So the running, the linebackers are doing a good job on defense coming downhill and, and meeting the running back. 
in in the hole. So then they're having to find other places to go. So those double teams need to be cleaned up a little bit. And then also just watching the film back again today, um, you know, the two different styles of running backs you have. You know, Chabonet is just going to – he's just a straight downhill, more of a, a inline runner. And Walker's kind of bounces around. So it kind of reminded me of when I blocked for Chris Warren here in Seattle and then had to go block for uh, Barry Sanders in Detroit. So with Chris – you, you knew that if you if you got a hat on the hat, he's going to probably move the pile a little bit, but he had the speed to kind of bounce out and gain some yards too. With Barry, you have to sustain blocks longer because you just don't know where he's going to find the lane. And so a lot of times when I first got to Detroit, like I would go, okay, I got my cutoff on the backside, and then I'm kind of peeking to see where Barry is, and then all of a sudden Barry's right in front of me, and then the guy would make the tackle right there. So uh, I had to just learn how to just be just sustain my blocks a little bit longer so that he could find, you know, where he was going to, to gain yards. And I think that can be a little bit difficult, you know, for the offensive line to kind of adjust to those two totally different styles of running. But at the end of the day, uh, I do think they need to clean up the double teams and get to those second-level defenders better. Well, I like that you uh, that you compared him to, to Barry Sanders. And then Charbonnet to Chris Warren, I think, is a good one. I just saw Chris the other day at the, the alumni thing, but um, mm-hmm. he, he was a, I think people forget that guy was a load, but what do you, what are you seeing out of Charbonnet? He, he has great feet. He's really a big dude. I feel like he's going to, he's going to go off here soon, but what, what do you see out of Charbonnet that you like? No, I, I just, I just love, um, you know, obviously as offensive lineman, you just, you like blocking for all running backs, <clears throat> but when the dude comes and he brings the, just, he brings the, the load like he does, like, he just comes with so much power, and he runs so angrily. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just kind of brings a different energy to the, to the offensive line. And, and, uh, and so he, he seems like he wants to punish guys just as much as the offensive line wants to punish guys. And so I just think it's just a matter of, like, like we're just saying, getting the running game going so he can find his rhythm so that the, those roles can get really clearly defined so he can get more opportunities. Uh, because I, I do think that these two styles, although they're so different, they can create problems for, for defense because – you got to decide if you're gonna, uh, you know, chase uh, one all over the place, or if you, if, you know, Dave, you know, if you're linebacker, or you're gonna have to get behind your pass to tackle the other dude. So, yeah. uh, I just think for Charbonnet, it's just a matter of getting more reps so we can see what we saw in the practices in training camp. Hey, Ray, obviously we love talking to you about offensive line play, but you're an NFL analyst. We can talk to you about anything, and I am dying to talk to you uh, about the defensive performance. I'm so unsure what to make of it, Ray, because once again, the defense allowed over 400 yards. This time, though, they had some really cool individual performances with Trey Brown, Uchenna Nwosu had a forced fumble, uh, Dre Jones had a sack. What did you make of their day? You know what? When I watch the defense, the way I see it, there's so many new pieces to it and so many uh, people that can do multiple things. They don't seem to be playing as one unit yet. It's almost like 11 guys doing their individual jobs. Like, Hey, I'm just going to do my thing. And it's not, you're not really necessarily concerned about how it's impacting the dude next to you. Uh, And and so another example is, you know, when I came to the league, I held out the first two weeks of training camp. I came in and the first preseason game I was starting I had no clue what anybody else was doing. All I said is like, okay, this dude's number is higher than 70. I'm blocking him. And so like, <laughs> I, I, didn't know what, I, I didn't know what anybody else was doing. And so, uh, and so it, to me, it kind of seems like the defense is kind of in that place. They have so many pieces, so many new pieces, just not even just 
like the run fits and the assignments and things. It's just getting to where they play as one unit. So that they, you know, so it seems like it's seamless in what they do. And so that's why I think you had like the individual performances. You can go like, oh, well, Tina played, uh, uh, Wilson played well. Uh, Trey Brown had his moments. You know, Diggs had a couple hits. Like you can find like individual guys that did something, but as a unit, they haven't quite found that rhythm as a unit. And then on top of that, I still think the defensive line just has to do a much better job of getting off blocks and making tackles and then and then making the tackle. I think I texted to our guys one time. I forget who I forget the name, but number ninety three did a great job of like uh, locking out the def- the guard, shedding the guard, was in the backfield, missed the tackle. And it was just like like you did everything perfectly, but now let's make right. the tackle. So it's just like uh, some little things like that, and then just coming together as a cohesive unit. He is Ray Roberts. We go in the trenches with Ray every single Thursday for the huddle. You can also hear more from Ray on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show hosted by Michael Bumpus. Thanks so much, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one. <laughs> Ray kills me every time. I don't know who he was. Just, you know, if his number was in the 70s, I was blocking him. Yeah. Makes oh. sense. <laughs> That's makes what sense. I was going to do. Not anymore, though. you got D-tackles. Yeah, yeah right. now all these numbers have changed. Yeah. Who can even say? You see, not used to it yet. Linemen stay the same. The offensive linemen got to stay the same, though, right? There's only 60s and 70s on the line. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. then the defensive backs comes out, come out with, like, I'm number one now. Mm-hmm. I'm number two. You know, times are changing. Times are changing. All right. Well, uh, we are going to uh, hear from an opponent preview coming up at 1.30. David Newton, ESPN Panthers reporter, is going to tell us what we need to know, including the latest on the news this morning that Bryce Young is not expected to play on Sunday. We're going to be looking at a Seahawks team face and Andy Dalton. First, though, Chen and Wosu speaking from the podium. You guys can hear from him next. This, this is the huddle. huddle brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. We're going to learn more about the Panthers in about 15 minutes. Before we get to that, though, we're going to hear from Uchenna Nwosu at the podium. How encouraging was the second half for you guys as a pass rusher? That's something you've been waiting to see get going. A couple sacks, and it was six quarterback hits in the second half. It was good to see, especially considering how we started off week one. <clears throat> I don't think we got any pressure on that. Um, so to just make that a point of emphasis going into that week and to see it just come alive a little bit, you know, not as much as we want to, but... Just to see it start to develop was good. Did your approach change in the week leading up to that game? Yeah, definitely. Uh, not really much technique, really much approach. Um, it's something we you know we practiced the technique all off season and during the training camp. So it wasn't really technique. It was more just approach of just you know being more urgent. Uh, you know when that when it's third down, you know it's time to go. Um, just being more aware, um, knowing when to take our shots, things like that. So. What's been the biggest reason from your perspective of why the run defense has been a lot better so far? I don't know. Guys are just more tuned in, I guess, more locked in. Uh, you know, it's always been a point of emphasis. You know, Coach Hurt talked about that going into the season, going into training camp from OTAs. You know, got to stop the run, stop the run. Nobody's going to run the ball on us. This, you know, he kept preaching it. And guys was finally, like, bought in earlier than, you know, than it took last year. Um, so... Everybody just made a key emphasis. That's what we worked on. That's what we strained hard for. And we're going to continue to do that. What does that buy-in look like, and what does it mean when you say buy-in? Yeah, you just when you go to practice, you see people are striking guys, um, getting off blocks, you know, finishing to the ball. Um, you can see 11 hats there, leveraging. We talk about leveraging the ball a lot in meetings. You see guys working on their techniques, working on their assignment, um, and really taking the run game serious. Probably going to be playing the quarterback for them this week. Does, that, does anything change for you guys? 
and who the quarterback is? Uh, nothing changes in terms of my mentality. What we know what we got to do, which is stop the run. Um, they're a very physical team. We know that's what they came in the building to do. That's what they did last year. So we expect to see that the same thing again. Um, Andy Dalton's, of course, a more experienced quarterback. Um, he might be able to make certain reads that, you know, Bryce wasn't able to make yet. But um, he's not as, I guess, mobile as he used to be back in the day. So, yeah, it always helps to pass rush. But um, Andy's a smart quarterback. You know, it's going to be a good challenge. We faced him last year when, um, when he was with the Saints, you know, and uh, we got some get back to get to him. I guess, what do you remember that? The game with, with Andy when he did play that game and sort of what yeah, I don't really remember much of that game, to be honest. I just know we lost. <laughs> but, yeah, Andy, he made, he made a lot of good throws. He was poised in the pocket. Um, um, he was able to make his reads and alerts and checks and all those things at the line of scrimmage like a veteran quarterback should. So I expect a lot of that going into this week. And like I said, first and foremost, it's about stopping the run that we'll get after him in the past game. Is there a run game look? Obviously, the coaching's changed and everything like that. How they try to run the ball, does it look any different than it did last year? Or? Uh, not really. Um, they're always been a downhill football running team, you know, so it's going to come down to us, you know, just being physical at the line of scrimmage, knocking guys back, getting off blocks, leveraging the football, like I mentioned, and um, just killing the run. You mentioned that word a couple of times. Pete has said that coming into the season, were the fundamentals emphasized differently coming into this year just to kind of reinforce and to reset things? Um, than last year? leverage with force with some of the things that, that just maybe weren't showing up as, as much last year? No, I feel like last year coaches were definitely, you know, doing all the necessary things in terms of, you know, being on the fundamentals, um, teaching it or teaching how things are supposed to happen. They were doing it just as much as they're doing this year. I feel like the difference is guys have actually bought in more now. You know, we, we changed the personnel um, and the interior line and guys getting more experience on the edge too. Um, so it all, it all plays a part in that. So uh, coaches are doing a great job like they did last year, and they're continuing to preach it more this year. You guys have been in nickel and dime quite a bit, and you've still been stopping the run. What's been the, the key to that? <laughs> I feel like it's just, just our mentality. You know, guys are just know what we got to do. Um, guys are just being more physical at the line of scrimmage. It just, we're just, it's in our mentality, you know, just don't let them stop the run. Because everybody up front, you know, we want to rush the pass. Your guys in the back end want to get picks. You know, that's what, that's what you know, NFL players want to do. So, you know, once we stop the run, we can have some fun in terms of rushing and uh, help, helping the back end get interceptions and make good plays, you know. So guys want to have fun on the field, and to do that, we have to stop the run. When you think back to Legion of Boom, or if you watch them, what's the thing that stands out most about all those guys that are coming back this weekend for the Super Bowl? Um, I'll just say this is just how different everybody was. You know, they all had different personalities. They all it, they all were on the same page about everything that they did. You know, they hung out a lot. Um, they were all just guys that were together. They were all in, you know, and it's good to have those guys back in the building, you know, to ask them questions and pick their brains about what, you know, what took place during their Super Bowl run and what, you know, they want to see here. So that way we can, as leaders, we can try to, you know, incorporate that into our team this year. It might not go as great as them, but any little inch we can get, you know, from them and help our young guys out and help the team out now would be great. What, what impact can you has uh, having JB here been for you guys up front? It's been great. He's a leader in that, in that front, in that front four. 
um, from communication to what he knows, what he sees, what's going to happen, from hearing the center communication to relating it to all of us and to just getting everybody's mind right on what we got to do. Um, Jay Reed's been a great addition. I know he's been here before, but he's been a great addition coming back to the team. It's my first year with him, and it's just like we've been to get working together since my rookie year, you know, so it's good to have him in the building. He's a leader, and he's going to be big for us continuing the year. What's it been like playing with Bobby? It's been really fun playing with Bobby. You know, just everybody thinks Bobby's all this serious guy, but he's really funny, man. He likes to joke around. He likes to have fun. He reminds everybody to have fun. He's having fun. Um, he's also a really good leader. Um, he's like that glue. You know, when guys get out of whack, he's the guy that brings everybody back together in terms of, like, remembering your assignment, what you got to do, you know, our expectations, all that stuff. So, And he's a really good player, too, so. But just having Bobby around has been great for the morale of the team, morale of the defense, to see a Hall of Famer, um, a guy like his stature, just be around and still be able to do what he does at a high level. What he did last Wednesday, gathering you guys before practice, have you seen that before here or any other place that you've been? Well, what? Just the pep talk, whatever you want to call it, the, the, you know, the talk that he gave you guys before practice last Wednesday. Yeah, you definitely see that, you know, with you expect that from leaders, you know, anywhere you at. Where guys who are the leaders, you know, bring everybody up together, um, try to get everybody, you know, settled down, knowing what's going on, let everybody know how much if important the day got to be or whatever it is. You know, leaders around, I'm sure every team does that, you know, but for this team specifically, Bobby does a great job of it, um, especially with a lot of young guys we got on our team, um, as well as the veterans, you know. So, like I said, Bobby's a great addition for this team. You think it's all the run defense as well? I mean, Bobby and Jordan and sort of, the, you know, the way how they've been playing in the middle with the linebacking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bobby's, uh, he, he, he's so instinctual. Uh, he's so athletic. He can make plays. He sees plays before they happen. So if I'm like over here trying to spill a ball or, or force it back in, Bobby's right there behind me, you know. So you can always count on him, somebody you can count on to, make, to do their job constantly. Um, so not somebody you have to worry about. He always communicates, lets you know what you're expecting. Um, him and plus JB, you know, they're getting double-digit tackles every week, which which helps us, you know, stop the run as well. So, you know, those two is a, a good duo. What have you seen from Wednesday? Well, not just one game, but just the way he came in and his physicality. Yeah, exactly. His physicality, his energy, um, his attention to detail, his passion. Those are all things you look for in a corner. He's he's not tough. He's not he's tough. He's not scared. He'll come up, hit some things. He'll come up, make some tackles. Um, and he's very athletic. He can make plays in the back end, like you saw, make a play on that fourth down um, to get us off the field. So the more repetition, the more um, reps he gets in the game, he's just going to be a great player. All right, let's learn a bit more about the Panthers. David Newton of ESPN joins us next for an opponent preview. This is the Huddle. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to 2. On Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready for week three. Carolina Panthers going to be back here in Seattle. What a difference a week makes. It felt like all was lost for some fans, I think, after a week one very ugly loss to the Rams. You have a shootout in week two against the Lions win in overtime, and all of a sudden you are looking at a Carolina Panthers team that struggled to get things going on offense and will be without their starting quarterback. So let's talk about what we can expect here a bit from the Panthers. Where is the opportunity for Seattle's defense because I'm waiting to see this team allow less than 400 net yards. What do you think, Bob? Opportunity for the offense is what you asked for for uh, defense? Seattle's defense. Sorry, oh, for defense. Seattle's defense. Oh, defense. Oh, okay. oh, I think it's. I think this is the week where 
you can be aggressive on the perimeter and say, let's play a little bit more man. I know they're not really a man type of team. They can get into it. But I just like whether it be Trey Brown, Artie Burns, um, Witherspoon, Kobe Bryant. I just like the matches. I think that you respect everybody in the NFL. Um, but I look at the wide receivers and I go, Thielen to me is a threat once you get inside the 25. He knows how to work that red zone and get into spots. Uh, but there's no one in between the 20s that just strikes fear in me. Last week, Amon Ross St. Brown, I go, you better make sure you yeah. know where he is at all times. Uh, the week before that, after about three series, I go, where's Puka? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I just like the matchup on the outside. I think they can be more aggressive, and I think that now they have two weeks of teaching film to say this is what we do and don't do. Well, so, again, I, like I don't it. want to fall into the trap that we fell into with week one when I was like, it's the Rams. They're rebuilding. But I think we've also seen two weeks of a Panthers team that that do have flaws. Many teams in the NFL are flawed. All teams are flawed. But maybe those match up well for Seattle. Who knows? Um, Dave, when you look at Carolina, do you see some opportunities for Seattle? Well, I mean, I just I, I think it's all about them. I said, just said this about the Mariners, by the way, that it's all about them. It's not so much their opponents. Yeah. But, you know, if, this is a good enough defense to, to play well no matter what. And, you know, I think their biggest problem right now is their zone defense. They're just not – they're not – I think they're jumping short stuff. I think they're not – got to play – crowd your receivers a little bit more so yeah zone you're dropping back you're looking at the quarterback you're reacting to the quarterback but you got to take a peek you got to you know you got to know if they're checking a guy up in front of you they're probably going to try to throw something behind you you know and anticipate a little bit so we were just talking off the air that as a linebacker it was always you know get 10 to 12 yards in depth if they throw it underneath give the guy a headache you know, rally up and, and hit him. So, yeah, I feel, I feel like that needs to continue to, to improve. Otherwise, even Bryce Young will come out and shred you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not playing that kind of defense. So, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest problem right now. It seems like they, um, you know, they're, they've got the whole run thing down. You know, they're, they're really <laughs> yeah. physical. They're only giving up 2.9 yards per carry. Uh, I feel like they got that fixed. Now the next thing is – which is weird because they were so good last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they had such an improvement, I should say. And maybe that's because last year people just ran the hell out of the ball against us. But, yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel like that, that's, the, that's the potential there is to, to really shut down the opposing uh, passing game. And then you can become a complete defense. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hear from one of the Seahawks instead. Uh, unfortunately, David Newton, he's had a busy day today. He's got to switch a quarterback to cover, so, so he's, <laughs> got to, he's got to switch things up. Um, instead, we are going to take you to Evan Brown. He is speaking live to reporters right now. Let's go. Listen to start it off. How impressive was what the two tackles were able to get done last week in that environment for two guys to step into what they did? Yeah, I definitely think that, uh, you know, when – the outside looking in sees it. Yeah, you see, you know, two, you know, backup swing tackles come in and, you know, play a great game. But, you know, from the inside looking out, you know, we, we know what those guys can do. They've had, you know, countless game reps before and have done it, you know, at a high level. So, you know, it wasn't shocking to us. But what's the key to stepping in when you're called upon? Like, okay, you just take over, got to go. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, trusting your ability, trusting your technique. You've done it. In practice, you've done it in training camp, you've done it in preseason. Just another opportunity to go out and prove what you can do. So I think that's really the biggest thing is you know don't let the the moment get too big for you. 
how much changed or if anything changed with those two guys in the game as part of the game plan? I think there was, you know, a little bit with, you know, getting them, you know, settled in early. You know, as an offensive lineman, you don't, you don't like the, the first play of the game to be a five-step, five-second ball holder throw. So I think there's some, some with that. But I think for the most part, it's, you know, still running, you know, our stuff. We expect, you know, guys to be able to step in and execute the game plan at a high level, no matter who it is. What was it like being on the other side and kind of having to deal with the noise after having played there and all that? Yeah, you know, I definitely – being on the offensive side, you know, in Detroit as, as home, you know, you never notice the noise because you're really not out there for it. And you're on the sidelines, you know, talking about what happens. So you really you hear it sometimes, but not really. But, you know, I'll give give the fans in Detroit a, a hell of a lot of credit. I mean, that was a loud stadium and they did. They did a fantastic job being loud. And I think, you know, we handled that adversity well with our communication as, as best as we could. You know, there's definitely some things we need to clean up with with pre-snap stuff and, and making sure everybody's on the right page. But, I mean, you're going to have that in every game. So, you know, you look at the good, you look at the bad, fix the bad and move on to the next game. What's Gino like in the huddle for that overtime where you're going out there? And- yeah, I mean, he was the same first drive as last drive. You know, it's it's cool, calm, collected. It's, you know, get in there, make the call for, you know, what our play call is, and then execute the play. You know, it doesn't, doesn't change because it's overtime. You know, you're not pressing anymore. You're just out there to execute whatever play is called and on to the next play. When you look at Carolina and what they do with the pass rush, and, and Frankie Lugu, the tackles for loss. Why is he able to do that? I think he's a uh, one very instinctive player, but also very physical, very downhill, and he's got some savvy ability to defeat a block. I think he's a you know very good off the ball backer who's also got a clear pass rush ability. So I think he's definitely a very dynamic player they have. With the running game, Pete talked about consistency being the key. You know, he does, does some good things at struggle times. What, yep. what do you want to see with just getting that? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, always starting with the run game. You can never have a negative play. You know, they're going to happen, of course, but you never want to be behind the chains. So I think it's all about staying on track. You know, you always talk, you know, efficiency in the run game. You know, you want those, you want a, you want a four-yard gain at, at the minimum. You know, obviously you're not going to get that. Sometimes it's three, two, and sometimes you bust one. But I think it's just all about being consistent in the run game, knowing that the big runs will come and they'll hit whenever they do, but, you know, you can't can't give up the negative. You can't, you know, leave a backer unblocked in the hole, stuff like that. Your defense, your defense is one of the best in the league in zero-yard runs. Mm-hmm. How demoralizing. I mean, you know what that run game feels like when yeah. it gets going. How demoralizing is that when the defense can come in? And- you know, it definitely, it definitely takes the air out of alignments you know feeling a little bit when you keep getting you know zero one yard runs and stuff um uh you know and then it tends to lead to you know more throwing the ball so it it's it's got its gives and takes so but yeah you definitely you know either side of wherever you're at you know you don't want to you want to take those away you don't want to have those so it's always that constant battle I, th- I think you came out for like six plays at one point was that an equipment thing or was that a good, good uh, no, I rolled up a little bit but mm, taped her up good to go so What'd you, when you when you guys watched the tape, what did you think of Olu and a little bit? Yeah, I think the you know the couple reps he got in there, you know he he came in, you know made his calls points, did a fantastic job. So you know that's what you you know rolling guys in and out all the time with you know tackles being hurt, whatever it is. So you know it's the same next man up mentality. Thought he did a great job. What have you noticed about Jason Peters in the week he's been here? Yeah, I think he's uh he's definitely taken on kind of like a, a leadership role for those tackles. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of young tackles we have on this team and just, you know, uh, he's given his knowledge on, 
on, you know, every play, every set that he can, you know, in the film room, he's speaking up for those guys. I mean, he's played, I'd go out and say probably more ball than everybody in that room of us combined, uh, more snaps. So, I mean, he's got, you know, infinite knowledge that he can, you know, help those guys with, with the island that those tackles live on. So I think he's been, been great with what he's done. Is he like the offensive line's dad now? Let's say again. Of lines, dad. No. Oh, uh, yeah. You could you could call that. Yeah, yeah. Takes that kind of kind of role mentality. You know, he's almost double the age of you know a rookie these days. So. <laughs> Anybody else? All right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, John Boyle, Seahawks.com reporter, is going to join us. We're going to share some of our final thoughts and game predictions for Week Three. This is the Huddle. Don't go anywhere. This this is the Huddle. Brought to you by Hunt Services. Every Thursday from noon to 2. On Seattle Sports. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joined now by John Boyle of Seahawks.com. John... It is really fun to talk about this team after a win. We had you on after week two, obviously, and all of us were trying to find silver linings from the week going, God, that felt so horrible. But, you know, hey, 12 yards, that's better than five in the second (laughs) half, right? I don't think we said that. (laughs) No, we didn't say that. But this week was a much better week offensively. Defensively, it was a mixed bag. But tell me what you saw from Gino. I was really impressed with him. I mean, just you, you can look at the numbers and it's a good game in, in any conditions, but when you consider everything going on in that game, how loud it was, how hyped up that crowd was for their opener, two backup tackles, which they did a great job, by the way, but just there's a lot of reasons that that could have been a rough game for Gino in the offense, and he was great throughout the game, and then he caps it with a game-winning drive where he's, I think, what, six for seven on the game winner. So pretty impressive. Yeah, I loved seeing the tight ends get involved. Early North yeah. Bank got his, then late Colby got his, and then Uncle Will Disley got a 70-yard gain after a, a penalty. I think that might be the key to unlocking this offense. But obviously got to get the run game going too, though. Yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll talked about this week, like the run game just hasn't been where they want it yet, not consistent. But you're right, the tight ends, they came through big. I mean, they were helping out in the pass pro quite a bit as well, but – it's it really helps this offense when you can get those guys you know get two or three of them on the field at once it just it creates matchup problems and we saw them really exploited it wasn't just like they were making some contested catches they had they were scheming them pretty wide open mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff it was good it's interesting to hear Pete uh, talk about Devin Witherspoon and how yeah. he talked about the PI play being actually a good play. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's funny how I mean like the way a coach grades someone it's like well he was where he's supposed to be. A lot of the rules just they're going to favor the receiver, and if there's some contact and they get tangled up, the receiver's probably going to get the flag. But yeah, he overall, I mean, look, he'd like to have that flea flicker back. He got fooled there, but that happens. But otherwise, he played a really good game. Um, the defense, I was going to cycle back to that. Bit mm-hmm. of a mixed bag again. Allowed 400 plus yards again. We're kind of seeing some of those issues, but you also had better individual performances. Trey Brown, a heck of a two-play yeah. kind of moment <laughs> no with a sack on a corner blitz and then a pick six. I mean, back-to-back, that's just unreal. Um, what do you take away from this? Yeah, I mean, like you said, mixed bag is a great, great way to describe it. There's some good, some bad. You know, they got the three takeaways. They'll, they always love that. But to me, the most encouraging thing was that they started to get a little pass rush in the second half. They had no sacks and no quarterback hits in the first half, which meant six quarters in the yeah. season. They had two quarterback hits and no sacks. 
that second half, it wasn't dominant, but they hit the quarterback. They affected him. I mean, even the pick six, he was under pressure. Goff let that go kind of early because mm-hmm. he was under pressure. Um, I think that six quarterback hits in that second half. So better, something to build off of. And that's to me, I mean, we've seen him defend the run really well for two straight weeks. The pass defense has not been great, but if you can start getting to the quarterback, I think we're going to see the pass defense improve quite a bit. This matchup with uh, the Panthers, me personally, Seeing Andy Dalton probably going to get the start scares mm-hmm. me more than seeing Bryce Young yeah. because of the Fair. young mistakes, pun intended, that that young hey, man yeah. would make. Uh, <laughs> bars. Oh, um, my God. That is not bars. <laughs> I'm too old to even know what bars are, but that is not bars. <laughs> um, what, we talked to Jordan Brooks and Artie Burns, right? The game plan's not going to change, but – do you see a difference in this team with Andy Dalton at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I've watched enough of them to break it down or anything, but it's different. I mean, we're talking about a, what, 36-year-old, very experienced quarterback who has had success against the Seahawks, as a lot of people have pointed out already, um, versus a, a young, you know, probably more gifted quarterback, hence being the number one pick. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, in the long term, obviously, Bryce Young's your future, but when you're looking at it from a Seahawks standpoint, there are reasons to think Andy Dalton might almost be a tougher matchup mm. this week. How does uh, how's Pete, uh, when you hear him talk about, and just coaches in general, about Charbonnet, I'm really excited to see that kid get going and start to get more mm-hmm. carries and things because – he seems like he wants to run people over. Yeah, well, and that's what they love about how – I mean, he does a lot of things well. He's a good runner, and he's a great pass catcher. And, you know, they see him as a pretty complete back, but the one trait that just is the most obvious is, yeah, I mean, we saw it in the preseason a few times. He will just put his shoulder down and try to run through it, dude. So, yeah, I mean, that goes back to, you know, I said earlier, the run game just hasn't been there, hasn't been consistent. So they're – you know, because they're not running as well as they want to – and in the case of week one, they just didn't have a lot of plays because they couldn't get first downs. We have not seen them get very deep into the run game like they want to. But, you know, they hope it's this week. But there's going to be a game where they start running the ball better and you're going to see a chance to get Charbonnet more involved because you need to limit Ken Walker. Right now, they haven't had enough carries for Ken Walker to mm-hmm. get to where you worry about that. But we're going to get to that point eventually where you get both those guys involved. And I think it'll be fun. How much do you think slow starts with anything, whether it's getting the run established, whether it's, you know, with your defense as a whole, is the result of a group of young guys or new guys. Because you look at a team like, you know, Dallas, their defense Mm -hmm. hit the ground running in week one. Well, they returned almost all the same players with the same coordinator, same everything. Yeah. Um, So do you look at Seattle and think like, well, sometimes slow starts can be explained away by... Yeah, I mean, it's a real thing, especially when teams aren't playing starters really in the preseason anymore. I mean, all three defensive linemen starters are new this year. They completely turned that group over. So it's, you know, it's going to take, when we talk about the pass rush, it's going to take those guys a little time to kind of I mean, pass rush is so intricate playing off each other knowing what the guy next to you is doing so i do think that's a real thing whether it's you know if you have a new offensive line or new D, i think probably in the trenches where that might play out more but i think for anybody it just takes a little time to get to where they're at their best what are your thoughts on uh jamal obviously we don't expect to see him this weekend but how's he looked out, out, out there yeah man? i mean what do you think he looks great moving around the field he sure looks like he's ready to play but it's you said i mean pete carroll's alluded to the fact that they're going to be careful with this and he hasn't ruled him out for this week i think he's leaving the door open to if jamal just is outstanding all week and i'm sure he'll probably try to talk him into it it's it's a possibility but that's also something you've, you've waited this long to bring him back slowly and do it the right way you're yeah. not gonna rush it now but I mean, it's obviously, I mean, he's a great player, and we'll see that as he's on the field in game action. But just in terms of practice, it's just that energy he brings being back out there. He's just so darn fired up all the time. It's fun to see him interact with the guys again. 
kind of cool for uh, Schneider to face his old uh, running mate there, Scott Fitter, yeah. as, as far as the, the GMs go. I'm trying to think of like his there, – there's lots of different guys in different places, right? Yeah, I mean, lot, a, yeah I mean, a lot of Dan Sanders. Morgan's out in the league, and there's uh, – They've got. They've had a lot of guys. Like I'm drawing a blank on some, but they've had guys kind of go all over from that front office, and you know, just like Pete's coaching staff. When you have success, teams want to try to emulate it and take a piece of that. And uh, it is. Fun. I mean, they, I think they take a lot of pride in it. Whether it's Pete seeing one of his assistant coaches doing well, and and John guys in his front office doing well, so it's uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, it used to be that you didn't want. I mean, that's one of one of the things I love about Pete, and I'm sure John is this way too. That. You know, a lot of times you have these great coaches. You want to, yeah, you want to protect them, yeah, hang on to them. But I, I feel like, especially Pete, he, I know for sure he talks about trying to cultivate those guys, yeah, and, and really, you know, champion them and sort of want them to. Get yeah, I mean, he'll if way. if he understands that a guy wants to be head coach, he'll will help them grow those skill sets and help promote them when the right time is. And I think part of it is you see it as like inevitably you will lose good coaches, whether you fight them on it or not, it'll probably happen eventually. And it's also, it makes it easier to hire good people. If you have that reputation, like if you got some young up and comer and you're trying to hire him and he's like, man, your reputation is blocking stuff. He's not going to go there. Whereas if it's like, okay, Pete, he helps guys. It, it does make you a more attractive place. Uh, we have a little under two minutes. I figured that uh, rather than talking about just a key to a win, which is what we did last week, we could talk about something that we want to see because I don't know why, despite the injuries that this team has right now, I'm kind of optimistic about week three. Knock on wood. I just think that it's uh, a matchup where we could see some good stuff if guys reach their full potential. For instance, I'd love to see the pass rush get going against an offensive line that's given up six sacks through two games. John, why don't you? Uh, well, you head stole next. mine, but fine. Oh, well, no, no. I, <laughs> thank I, so much. I'd like to see the run game get going. You yeah. know, the offense has done a lot of things well, but I want to see that big game where you know maybe you rush for 175 yards and Ken yeah. Walker has has a big game. Yeah. I want to see Trey Brown make some big plays. I mean, Is last it week wasn't enough. enough? You're being yeah, selfish. <laughs> I mean, uh, three three big plays that he had. I Unreal. Mean, and we forgot about the one right before the half. Yeah, the force but fumble. It's pretty amazing. And and then you know you look at what he did in college. Did a football one on one this week on the three uh, Big Twelve championship games where he makes the yeah. game deciding play. And then and then yeah, three years in a row that the Seahawks defense has gotten a takeaway against the. Detroit Lions and the first play of the the second half. So, yeah, I think more big plays is is what I would like to to see. I mean, that's how you survive giving up 400 plus yards. Mm-hmm. You know, especially on the road is takeaways, man. I mean, you look at and the Seahawks offense hasn't turned the ball over. So, yeah, if you can continue to do that, uh, I think that's the key. Mine is related to Boyles. I don't want to see linemen on the second level. There's so many times where they're not reaching, they're not getting there. I think that's why Ken has to bounce a lot of those runs. So big boys, get to the second level, and we'll get that big game that uh, Boyle's talking about. All right. For Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacy Ross. Thanks to Curtis Rogers and Matt Nelson back in the studio. And thank you, John Boyle, for joining us to wrap this thing up. You can read John's work at Seahawks.com. This has been The Huddle. Don't go anywhere.